Hello Cryptonauts and welcome back to another episode of Crypto Chill and Chat. On today's episode we have Jake back on the podcast as well as M. M has been part of the community for a while and today he dropped a lot of crypto knowledge on us. It's great. He came with a lot of info about the Dynamo coin and as well as the Helium network of what's been going on. So uh, stay tuned. Um, I'm going to say right off the bat that a lot of the information that you're going to hear is more of visual so i would highly recommend you jump over to our c3 media youtube channel to see exactly what am is talking about but if you like to listen this is your opportunity to hang back and listen to what's going on uh, with that said make sure to check us out in discord also the youtube channel with that said enjoy the episode All right, let's go ahead and start talking about some crypto here. Yeah, actually, since you got Dynamo up, let's talk about Dynamo. Um, I I haven't really been involved in Dynamo directly. Um, I'll I'll pop my head in from time to time. We did mention this on the last uh, Crypto Chillin' Chat, but Em, you've been been hanging there, right? Oh, by the way, welcome, Em. Welcome to the Crypto Chillin' Chat. Thank you. All right. Good to be here. This is my first one. We're just hanging out, dude. We're just hanging out. Yep, that's what Sunday's for. Just hang out. Um, so what's, uh, what's yeah, been going? I've been I've been hanging out there. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you've been uh, paying any attention, Jake, but um, Sean is certainly working on developing the game, and and the game, you know, at this point is is a demo uh, essentially. Not that it won't become an actual real playable thing, but the main intent is is that it's uh, kind of a proof of concept. Um, he's also in discussion with um, some other studios. You can't say the names of yet, but they are not inconsequential. Um, and discussions so far have been extremely positive. Um, so I think we'll be in short order hearing more about that. Um, looks like there's one that's that's pretty interested in uh, in trying out using Dynamo. Um, Sean has. I don't know what engine they're they're running in, but Sean has built a gateway in engine between UE4, Unreal Engine 4, and uh, Diana directly, the chain, mm-hmm. um, which is cool, very cool. I heard um, rumor they, says rumor says that he's using uh, that 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 AAA company is going to be uh, Epic Games. <laughs> oh really? Okay. It could be. It could be. Epic Games is in favor, as we said in the in the news today. So yeah, I, yeah, that's funny. Oh. Uh, that's the only reason why I brought it up because we're we're literally just talking about that right now. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> yep. Um, so uh, beyond that, the the biggest thing that's happening right now is um, is Sean is is looking for a little guidance uh, from from the community on on a couple of of topics. Um, so there's a few things going on here. One is, uh, getting the, the VM, um, completely integrated into core and with miners. And essentially the code is pretty much done, but it's going to require hard fork. And we're going to try and do this in the smartest way possible, which is to put everything we want and we can think of in this hard fork as obviously, you know, we want to do as few a few of those as we can, and it's better, of course, to do it in these early days. So the 
so we're really thinking about, um, you know, and think about this, John, you too. Uh, we're trying to think about what the best way is to implement fees, like gas fees for the virtual machine. Um, he, Sean's concern is not having um, basically VNs that can run forever without having to pay something um, so that we don't have the equivalent of VM spam. Well, okay, so things up. Th yeah. that was that was my that was my original concern when um, the proposal was to have no fees. So it sounds like that's going to be changing now, or what, what's we're we're this is open discussion right now trying to think about the best way um to do it so he wants nft creation to base or to virtually be free but there probably i think there should be some kind of a fee for executing smart contracts i think so too, um, man. it I shouldn't so too. it shouldn't be it shouldn't be outrageously expensive and one of the challenges is how do you keep it you know, down the road from getting too expensive. If you just base it on X amount of, of Dynamo um, down the road, you know, one Dynamo could be worth a lot more than it is now. And it starts to make, it's kind of like the Ethereum problem. You know, you get, you, things just get too expensive to make it. Well, um, that was function. a lot of the backlash about Ravencoin when Ravencoin was going up. Now it's, it's pretty much settled. It's right. been going sideways at 10 cents, but when it was up there in price, everyone was starting to get a little uh, frustrated, like, frustrated with the price of uh, uh, of transaction fee. Like, oh, this is kind of price, especially yeah. as it continues to go up. Yeah, it's a real concern. Like so when so that's on the table. Yep, like when you're minting, what was it? When you're creating um, a, a main NFT, what does it cost you? Like 500? 500, 500 uh, Raven? 500. Yeah, yeah, people were kind of right. like, well, hold on. This should be adjusted properly, especially when... Uh, when it goes up in price, basically it's only going to be corporations that are going to be able to afford to uh, to mint anything, you know. That's right. So, so open discussion on the Dynamo side. We're just trying to come up with the, the smartest, best way to do that. Uh, so that's one. Um, another is we're uh, talking about the the proof of storage side um, and the best way to charge for that. Um, no, we don't have it, a, a perfect answer yet, and and um, and when we do come up with maybe the best different options, there will be a community vote, an on-chain vote, which is the third thing um, that is part of this is implementing the on-chain voting system, which is so cool and important. Um, yeah, so you should definitely think about these things. And if you have any ideas or thoughts, um, absolutely you know, anyone just share those on the Dynamo Discord and it'll all be considered for the best direction to go forward. Is this going to be on chain voting? Yeah. Okay. Any, any... And so the goal here is is one Dynamo, one vote. Okay. And, you know, as a little bit of a model, which I think is cool, is what Helium's doing. Um, they are right now testing out their on-chain voting system. Uh, and they're hoping to make it go live in maybe a week or two, something like that. But they're having a test vote right now. And um, in essence, you know, not to get too deep in the weeds, but to truly prove how much a, an individual has um, as far as the coin itself for how many votes they get, you need to, in essence, send them somewhere 
you get them all back, um, and the only cost is the transmission fee. Um, so the voting would be super cheap, but in order to prove how many a person really has, you kind of have to move them. Um, so Helium is basically doing the same thing. Um, you're basically paying the fee of moving in order to uh, have your vote carry the weight of you know how much you own. Um, I personally feel it should definitely be based on you know how many uh, coins somebody has is equal to one you know is equal to X and equal number of votes. Um, but even that is open for discussion. So yeah, that's uh, kind of what's going on. Go ahead. My concern about uh, that it is it, it always reminds me of Steemit when 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 you get the, those Steemit whales that kind of forced a vote onto the community, and that was that was frustrating when the community itself was like, "No, we're against this," but the community didn't have the majority. It was the whales that came through, uh, and we're talking about a handful of whales that just pushed all their coins onto the onto the voting um, uh, mechanism and kind of forced forced the the, the chain to fork. That's where you got uh, the Steemit Classic and, and Steemit. That's my only concern so would, about voting. So I certainly see that as well. Um, I, I I personally think that as uh, these games come online, if that truly becomes a going concern, um, we're not going to see um, you know massive whales. It's going to get diluted. Is really what I guess I'm trying to say. Um, and so. Uh, you know, yes, it's concentrated at the moment because these are extremely early days, and there's you know not that many people that are mining it right now. Right? How um, many how many wallets were there? There was even, like less than a thousand wallets, right? Pro uh, yeah, I think so. I don't remember exactly how many, but um, yes, and I'm sure lots of those are owned by the same people um, at this point. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you you know, but um, you know about that too, because I did bring that up to Sean that there are some people that are uh, that just have a lot of hardware and just have multiple wallets and just mining that, so they don't hold a a majority of the pool. But and technically they they do. That's that's a little concerned. Obviously, we need more miners in the network. But, yeah, these are natural market dynamics, though. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, and I and I and honestly, there's. Um, you know, there's a valid point to be made that the people who started out early and are paying electricity and paid for hardware and are making the chain secure in the early days, you know, and have, have accumulated X percentage of the circulation should have, you know, an equal percentage of say um, yeah. for what goes forward. I think that's completely fair. Um, over time, it's naturally going to dilute and the percentage any one person has will fall um so i really don't have a problem with it i you know ho the hope hopefully um we have good input during these early days from the community that exists and we get some we have some good decisions that are made um yeah so one of the things that that uh, i was going to say is that the top wallet i was if we have watching or not top wallet used to have almost a hundred thousand dynamo in it has mm -hmm. about 20,000 20, dynamo less than, less than it did for the longest time. Is that the foundation wallet? I don't know if that's the foundation or not. All, it used to have 94,500 and now it's down to 77,000. They sold off a good chunk. Or else they moved I'm sure it's people. Yeah, I'm sure people are just splitting it. Um, I think people are 
they don't they don't want to start tripping whale alert uh, notifications and stuff like that down the road, which causes panic <laughs> selling in extra volatilities. So um, th- that only makes sense. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see that happening more and more and more. You know, having yeah. having large accounts that are showing up at the top of rich list is just kind of stupid. Um, the only reason to be like that is either ego, <laughs> which is you know, or laziness, or yeah. So I think you're going to see more and more of that. All right. What do you think? Yeah. Um, it sounds like the community is treating you well, though. So that's that's a good thing. I'm actually really yeah. curious to know about him and his and, and you got all your your miners set up for for helium, right? No, uh, I, I want to talk about helium as well. Um, I have I only have one running at the moment, um, but. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it in, in partnership with a friend. Um, we got a few of them between us, and we've got, uh, we each have one at the moment. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. The thing that's frustrating right now is that if you have a good antenna set up, um, can you check the price location, of location? It's roughly 21, but yeah, it's uh, $21. Jake, so. Oh, I had it up earlier. Okay. Yeah, so um, if you have a good setup where you can send out a, a great signal, currently you're getting penalized um, significantly in some cases. You're, you know, the most, yeah, the most you can earn with helium is by witnessing a beacon or a challenge. Mm-hmm. And uh, and by far, that's the most you can earn. And a lot of um, witnesses are being called. They're being labeled as invalid, and you get zero reward for the witness. Hmm. Um, and the reason is, so this really goes back to people abusing uh, helium. They would buy like five or ten or thirty uh helium miners put them all in a basement somewhere where they're not broadcasting outside in the real world at all and then they're completely spoofing their physical location ideally setting them up in individual hexes in rural areas um and uh and they're all right next to each other and they all are witnessing each other and you can make you know thousands of bucks basically a day um and again, you're providing zero real coverage. You're not producing, you're not providing a service that's intended whatsoever. You're just taking from everybody else, the rewards from everybody else. And so to stop that from happening, the first attempt was to create this um, this curve on the signal strength. And so basically on the RSSI, which is the received signal strength, and the SNR, which is the signal to noise ratio ratio there's this curve if you, you guys want me to share a link that shows the uh, chart of that would that be okay. cool to share sure. yeah okay here post it in um we put it in general or where yeah general's fine general okay here you go so yeah so just scroll down a little bit that green and pink chart right there right so for example if you are, uh, if you got uh, a good antenna and you're, you know, you're well beyond the minimum distance, a helium miner to, to count 
to get to earn rewards, they have to be at least 300 meters away from a neighboring one. And they're doing this, this is for good reasons. They don't want to incentivize overdoing coverage or redundancy. They want some, but they don't want, you know, a thousand uh, helium miners in a 10 block area because it's pointless. You don't need that much coverage. In fact, you can end up causing interference. So in essence, if you have a, a, a too strong, too good of a signal, you're going to end up in that pink area of that chart and your witness will be marked invalid and you earn nothing. And today there's a ton of false positives for, for lots of people around the world where they are completely validly providing proof of coverage and even in areas that are rural and um, there's not too much redundancy at all, but they're not getting to earn. And this was, this was just a poorly created first attempt at stopping the cheaters. And it's really not, it's not, it's very far from ideal. So the solution to this, which is POC, Proof of Coverage version 11, uh, it was supposed to launch October 4. It's actually starting, I believe, tomorrow, the 18th of October. Uh, if you scroll down a little bit, uh, Jake, you can what you can see is they're completely doing away with measuring the SNR, the signal to noise ratio, keep going down. Uh, keep going down. You'll see a completely different chart show up. There we go, right there. They're completely getting rid of the SNR, um, the signal to noise ratio. So they're not counting that at all. Now it's just a matter of distance and RSSI. Currently, uh, we're on the red curve, which is extremely lenient. Um, and I believe we'll be switching to POCV11 uh, onto the yellow curve. And perhaps down the road, we'll be using the green curve which is even more strict. But this is a very good thing. First thing is, is it's going to be far less likely at, um, at throwing invalid witnessing out to legitimate witnessers. So that's great. Um, number two, um, it's going to be better at calling the people who truly are cheating. Um, number three, besides just changing this curve, uh, at the moment, for any given witness, like if you're in a very really urban area, uh, and let's just say somebody sends out a beacon and there's 50 hotspots that can receive it and witness it, only 25, but only the first 25 are the ones who get to earn a reward. The rest get thrown out and they don't count. That incentivizes people with the fastest internet to get the reward, which is not what we want because this isn't about being high speed. This is about having good coverage and having to be fairly distributed. So they're gonna drop the 25 witnesses down to only 10, only 10 get counted. However, all the witnesses that report in over something like, you know, a couple of minutes of, um, of listening, um, that, <laughs> don't quote me on that, but all the witnesses that report in essentially, um will then uh count and get randomly select 10 will get randomly selected from all of them and 10 will get paid out and this again makes it fair so the people with the fastest internet don't get preferential treatment further um right now a uh given hotspot can send out a challenge roughly every 300 blocks 
that is going to be shortened to 240 and then ideally later they're going to try and get it down to every 200 blocks so witnessing should become notably more frequent than it currently is and what we should see bottom line here is that valid people and especially people in areas that don't have enough coverage yet are going to be incentivized more and that's really how it should be because the point is to get coverage everywhere um, and not overcompensate for where there's already enough for too much coverage so really yeah so that's what's coming up with POC v11 starting tomorrow um, I can't wait to see how it works um, yeah I just it's very fun though while you were talking about that I jumped over to the um, uh, to to the oh, server the to the discord server uh, oh. the helium discord ah, server. Okay. well the Bobcat uh, discord server yeah. Uh, and there's there. Mm-hmm. I guess there was there is an issue, like you said, and I'm just going to read this here. Uh, this was on October 15th. A Bobcat Miner OTA update 10/15/2021 and Dig Peerbook features. October 15/2021. Bobcat pushed the latest OTA update at 3 p.m. today. The following updates occurred in this OTA. Number one, Bobcat Miner firmware update to 1.0.2.31. Number two, new features added to the Bobcat uh, diagnoser. This OTA update is for the Bobcat firmware only. There is no change to, to the Helium firmware. There is two new diagnosers. Features are designed to help users diagnose network issues and analyze symptoms. It will partially diagnose the zero witness slash beacon issue only if su- such symptoms are caused by DNS settings. We're continuing our investigation to uh, investigation the the root cause of the zero witness slash beacon experienced by some users from batch 21 this continues to be our top priority across con, uh, con, mm, content and teams we will share the results as soon as possible hmm, so i can talk about i can talk about that first of all i have bobcat miners and i am aware of this over the air update um by the way there are they're over the air updates. They are on it. They just like I, mine get that update on time every time. I notice that they do that. Like um, they, they've been pushing updates like several times a week. Or right. so. And yeah. so, right. And some of it's the helium update, which doesn't come from Bobcat. That just comes from helium core uh, network, um, the guys developing it. And so if they have some update for helium itself, that still has to get passed out to every every brand of hotspot miner. So it's not just Bobcats that are getting that. They all are. Bobcats firmwares, uh, firmware updates are specifically to their units to bring improvements or provide fixes for things or things like that. The two things in this particular OTA are added features. One is dig and the other is Peerbook. And um, so on these hotspot miners, you can go straight to the miner on your local LAN, at, you know, at home or wherever, and you get a GUI. It's serving a little web, uh, little web server page, and um, you can you can check on the health of the health of it, see if it's relayed, see what the temperature is. You can remotely reboot it. You can do all kinds of things. Um, and so it sounds like in a batch of units they shipped out one particular batch, um, some of those were having issues. Mine has never had that zero witness issue, so I haven't experienced it at all. 
Um, but there are there are some things that you know anybody getting a helium miner, regardless of brand, should know. <laughs> There's something called relaying, and if your hotspot is in relay mode, it is going to perform suboptimally, and you are going to get less rewards. And the reason is, um, so relaying basically means um, if you don't, if you're not able to forward a port in the router in the gateway that your helium hotspot is behind, you are going to be in relay mode. You need to just open up one port and forward it to your hotspot miner which you're going to give a static LAN address, LAN IP address. Um, if you do that, you're open. If you're not, if you don't, you're relayed. And that means that it cannot receive um, traffic initiated from the internet to your hotspot miner. And so that info will have to be relayed from other hotspot miners over the 900 megahertz network to your hotspot, which is much slower and uh less consistent um and so you're probably going to miss a lot of rewards because you're not your hotspot miner won't be able to respond in time to the chain so for anyone thinking about getting one of these if you don't have access to your router or gateway and can forward the required port um definitely reconsider getting one or where you may put one Mm. Um, because it's certainly a negative. I didn't know about it until after I got mine. Right. It's not a problem for me. I, I can easily open a port, and I've done that, and it's it's not an issue. But not everyone can do that. Uh, you know, with Starlink, for example, you cannot forward your port forward ports. Uh, no, what do we got here? Well, I was just going through all the the. Um, sorry to interrupt, Jim. No problem. Um, Go ahead. All the helium ecosystem supports. I never even realized this, but when I popped this up, I was like, oh my goodness, Lime Scooter. Lime Scooter is on the Helium network. Yeah, so they just partnered with uh, Actility, I believe it is. And Actility is a, um, is, a, is, a, is a network coverage provider for LoRaWAN that's been around for a while, and they have uh, network coverage in 50 countries. And... Helium just announced this, uh, I don't know, a few days ago, it was this week, um, that they partner with them and everybody that's got an IoT device that runs on the Actility network can now use um, use it on the Helium yeah. network as well, which is a big deal. Cool. By the way, um, I don't know if I don't know if I should give this little tidbit away. I mean, if you're already a Helium miner, you you know, and you're in the right spot, you'd already know it. But living near an interstate or major railroad tracks or waterways with shipping um, is going to is going to get you real world paid for by customers data going through your hotspots right now I can't believe it already is happening um, but it is like virtually every day for me um, and I thought it would be maybe be like a year or two before I saw actual um, market use of the network. But nope, it's already happening. It was happening the first day I turned mine on. Wow. Couldn't believe it. That's pretty cool, awesome. man. There's a lot going on. I, I didn't realize. Yeah. I think it's asset tracking at the moment that's one of the biggest use cases. You know, people are right, putting right. an IoT asset tracker on like a shipping container. 
or the trailer for a semi or a barge or Mm -hmm. a rail car, you know, whatever it might be. Um, And as those things are cruising along the country, they're pinging out uh, to update their location. And yeah, um, it's very cool that it's already being used. And a a hotspot operator gets paid for that. It's it's super low cost, but it's very cool that it's already, you know, serving a real use case. Is is that partnership with uh, San Jose on there, Jake? Yeah, um, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't gotten to the S's. I guess we're in the S's now. But I don't know if it's going to say as San Jose. It's probably going to say the company that was, that San Jose partnered with, but I don't remember the name of that company. But the um, it, it, to what Em was pointing out, um, the one thing I'm most looking forward to is this is the five G functionality that they're planning on. Mm-hmm. integrating the thing that's making me go i mean obviously the whole the whole thing of 5g and the reason sadly whatever weird group of people out there seems to think 5g is dangerous um it's it's just new tech right everyone's scared of new tech that's not it's going uh, to fry your brain in the, in the realm of understanding what it means <laughs> we did back in 2004 uh when i worked for maximum integrated um we did a full-scale analysis of the uh, uh, microwave energy given off by a cell phone transmission antenna. So we we literally tested. We put, uh, well, we didn't put all the cell phones we could, but we put as many as we could into one area and then tested the actual microwave transmission. And from, was it eight inches away? Eight inches away from a uh, cell phone transmission, at that point, you have so little radiation transmission. Granted, the cell phone antenna is much closer to your head, and I would still advise anybody who's scared of this to just use a Bluetooth headset because the energy transmission at that point is really, really low. Um, But the uh, eight inches away from a cell phone, you have such a low transmission of energy, you you can barely measure it. Now, yeah. people were most concerned about having next to your head, but we figured out that you'd have to have 500 cell phones in the same, you know, five-inch uh, uh, volumic metric area, which is technically impossible before you get enough microwave energy to, to even cook an egg, let alone your brain. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. So we basically proved with a non-scientific paper, but through our own estimation, since Maxim did microwave transmission um, circuitry, we, we measured it all on a regular basis, it's something we actually did. Um, we proved that you cannot get brain cancer from any number of cell phones, let alone just one. But regardless of that fact, the point I'm trying to get at is that the 5G thing that I'm really looking forward to this is that, that you know, and, and uh, Comcast, you know, the, the uh, internet provider company, it's kind of already gone this direction, but I'm looking forward to this 5G thing because everybody's got internet, right? You just get one of these 5G uh, modifier devices, put it in your house, and you would offer 5G service on the blockchain, and then we can get rid of Verizon or AT&T. Now, granted, there's going to be places where Verizon, AT&T, uh, T-Mobile are still going to be more valuable because people don't live everywhere. Um, but even so, it, it's from the standpoint of like uh, – Maybe you could drop onto another network where you're paying through, you know, uh, through crypto instead of through that company. Like right now, it's not unheard of for a person for unlimited data services to pay, you know, 80, 90 bucks a month just for one device. 
Um, I don't know what the price of this will be once it gets to the point of being practical, um, but I really hope it balances out the cost. I, I really hope that some company, maybe an MVNO, will go through and do this and say, you know what, we're going to go on blockchain. You know what, we're going to make it fair to people and not make it a, a price gouging game. So, yeah. Uh, so, Jake, do you happen to know what the range of these are? These five G mm -hmm. units, about three hundred meters. Three hundred meters line of oh, sight. No, yeah. Sorry, three hundred meters or three hundred yards? Well, I mean, I'm not yards. Um, three hundred feet. Excuse me, not three hundred meters. Not thousand feet. It's it's three hundred feet. So a thousand meters closer to a thousand hundred meters. My bad. It's a very short. Unfortunately, five G five G is very Wait. short range. You, you shifted a lot of units and numbers there. Right, What's me, the final answer? Yeah. 300 feet. 300 feet is the range of... Now, line of sight, you could probably go further, but typically it's around 300 feet. That's the problem with 5G is it's such high uh, frequency. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about gigahertz, right? Very high gigahertz. And on top of that, it is directly uh, line of sight only. Like, um, I think it's Linus Tech Tips did this a while back, and they tried doing the 60, the 60 gigahertz uh, oh, Wi-Fi. Yeah, I saw that. 6G. So, so I didn't think 5G was was 5 gigahertz. It's fifth generation. Oh. I thought it I was... I know, I know. I'm not... I'm not all right. Okay. To be clear, yep. those who are listening, and just for us, yep. the five, fifth generation of data throughput is in a much higher frequency so that you can have higher throughput. When Verizon first rolled this out two years ago, and they, Sacramento was a test bed, Sacramento, California, and they had to put their antennas up to get decent coverage literally every 300 feet. So there's very strange towers all over um, eastern Sacramento. And people are like, what is that weird pole? You know, why is it so fat at the top? Well, it's because it has to house, house a lot of equipment. Now the equipment is much smaller than than you see on top of buildings. You know, for the for the 4G networks, LTE that's out there, um, LTE's got a range of I think two miles line of sight, but it also it has the ability since it's a lower frequency and, and you know it it can bounce off of things and go through things because the the um, uh, radio wavelength is so much wider or so much longer than the the high gigahertz uh, frequency that we're we're using with the fifth generation. Now T-Mobile does do 5G at uh, 600 megahertz, which is really low, relatively speaking. Um, but most of Verizon, AT&T, and then the, the proper 5G that, that's expected or fifth generation is expected is supposed to be somewhere between 24 gigahertz and 60 gigahertz. And the problem with that is you can literally not bounce it through a building. You can't even bounce it through a solid body. You can't even go around it. It will just get absorbed right yeah. into whatever it, it hits. So unless, you, unless you're a literally line of sight and there's no trees, no water, and barely any you know moisture of any sort blocking your way, like a paper cup, or no paper cup, maybe like a piece of paper could blow through the sky and, and, and block your signal temporarily. So, um, so well, the way I the way I look at it is that you know cell phone companies have the licensed spectrum that they bought, mm -hmm. and that. Yep. is you know it varies a little bit for each carrier some have some share or very you know have bands that are very close to each other they're almost the same frequency and but they all kind of have they have chunks of spectrum in different spots and you're right t-mobile um 
um, basically, if I'm not mistaken, because they merged with Sprint and because Sprint had Nextel with IDEN and IDEN yep. got their frequencies from taxicab companies, um, which is very valuable, 600 megahertz. It's not super fast, but it has nope. excellent penetration exactly. um, and long range. So anyway, 4G, 5G, it's not a, so much about the frequency. It's, it's, it's about what they're how they're sending data and how they're maybe doing beam forming and things like that um, with any given frequency. Um, so I'm really curious on this particular Helium 5G unit, which frequencies it supports. Do you happen to know? I don't know yet. I guess okay. it's, it's, I'm showing this picture this whole time, but they're not really giving a whole lot of details. So. Because because if it does support 600 megahertz as well as higher frequencies, well, it may actually support a lot more range on the on the lower bands, um, and of course shorter range and higher bands. And it'd be it'd be cool to know this. Regardless uh, of that, the, the thing that I'm personally most interested in is the idea of providing a service that's not wholly yeah. dependent upon one company. So this is decentralization. Of of, of the services available to everyone, and then it incentivizes the individual, as we know, um, to support it. That's the whole point of the Helium Network, is it's incentivizing the individual. The more, as you were saying, you're making the point that is incentivizing people in more rural areas, which is the whole thing the United States government has been trying so long to get, to get I mean, I can't remember how much money they gave to Verizon uh, 22 years ago, in the late 90s. 1999, I think they gave them $600 billion and said, expand the network to the rural areas. And what did Verizon do? Not that. <laughs> I will say that Verizon, mm -hmm. above all other networks, has the best rural capabilities. Like, if I want to go in the mountains, particularly the mountains here, the, the Sierras, the only service I want to have is Verizon. Because Verizon actually is, for some reason, out there. And you can get, I think, 3G services almost anywhere in the mountains. In, here in California, and, I, and that's also true when I was in Colorado. Um, so Verizon at least did that. Their 3G service is still out there. Um, but uh, this this concept is is incentivizing outside of the normal, you know, single company incentivization. Because I mean, Verizon could at any time decide to just screw all their rural constituents. Um, and then, then there's like, well, why we bought this hardware and we can't use it anymore? Exactly. Verizon decided to go a different direction because they couldn't support it. The blockchain doesn't care about that. <laughs> so. So I just I'm, looked it up. And, yeah, I'm 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 on, I'm fully on board with that. You know, my critical thinking comes down to um, if you're going to actually operate these, you know, those are not cheap. I don't know what the exact price is, but what, a couple dollars. grand, something like it says $1,000. It says okay. I expect the end-to-end -end 5G setup to cost between 1000 and 5000 Wow. Okay, so we split the difference, you know, 2500 bucks, and right. if it really is only short, super short range, <laughs> and you're in a rural area, well, you're not providing a lot of coverage with it, unless, you know, you got lots of people providing coverage, and you're probably not going to get a lot of traffic. So yep. it's probably... You know, uh, um, it's cool, but so I looked up the frequency it runs on. It runs on the Helium version. It runs on 3.5 gigahertz, which is okay. citizen band radio service. Uh, wow. CB radio, cool. Yeah, so 3.5 gigahertz is actually not 
uh, not a bad frequency. I mean, it's basically a little higher than Wi-Fi. It's well below 5.8. So I would say that I don't know how much power that thing has, but that actually could provide a decent amount of range via line of sight. Um, Actually, not bad. I I bet that could easily go uh, a few miles line of sight. Yeah, probably. I mean, Bluetooth can go, I think somebody, the longest snow Bluetooth has ever gotten is 15 miles. That's ridiculously yeah, that's long cool. for Bluetooth, but right. it is technically, technically possible if you fire it at high enough true. power. So the same thing may be also true for, um, for helium. I mean, the problem, of course, is getting a place where you know you have line of sight. But the point is, as I think this is the thing, the key thing that John and I have talked about, and even other people and I have talked about, is DAOs. Is the decentralization of it, you know, of the functionality or the or the voting process or the it's, it's based on the people who use it, not on the people who are just holding cash. So yeah. The reason I think that uh, to tie this more to the idea that I think Sean was going for with having both um, proof of work and proof of stake, you're not just relying on one or the other. You're not saying, okay, now we're going all proof of work, proof of stake. Now it's just up to the whales. Well, you're going proof of work. It's up to the people who are mining. Everybody has a share in what in what they want to do. It's not it's not one or the other, mm-hmm. and the little people still have a voice. Mm-hmm. We need Let me, we need to get away from the whole point of, of crypto is to get away from the establishment. <laughs> I agree. I, I totally agree. Let me share another little tidbit I learned uh, from having a helium hotspot. Uh, a little bit about RF. Okay. Pop quiz here. What do you think? attenuates uh, a radio frequency signal more. Um, I'll give you three options here. Uh, cinder block, um, a house, uh, just a standard house wall, you know, drywall, studs, insulation, and wood siding, or um, double pane window glass. Depends on what the glass is made of, but I would say... Um... These, what do you mean by block. what the glass? What do you mean by what the glass is made out of? Some glass has a has a has a um, a, a coating on it, and that coating right. can block like a, like a low E coating, right? Yeah. Okay. You'd hope it was low E coating, but in any case, yeah. Um, you know cinder I, blocks, yeah. right? Right. Cinder blocks could be, could definitely be the worst attenuator. I mean, okay. wood does attenuate, but it, it is a translucent material uh windows so, tend tend not to unless i said there's like maybe an aluminum coating in there um mm-hmm. in which case it would be very attenuative um but i would say cinder blocks would be the worst okay well the main point here was uh i think the windows could actually be worse than the cinder block if they exactly. especially if they have that if they have that coating now if it's exactly. a single pane if it's a single pane it and it's not coated it's the best mm-hmm. if it's double pane and not coated it's it's terrible. It's yep. really bad. The glass causes refraction of the yep. radio, uh, the radio beam, and it really, it's a, it's impressive how much it attenuates. Um, and then if you have a low E coating, like copper is often used. That's why windows sometimes have a slightly kind of, you know, that tint, orangey uh, that color. Tint. Yep. Yeah, sometimes they're orange or green or different colors. But yeah, yep. that. That is makes it even far worse. You're better off having your antenna um, against the wall than sitting on your windowsill, yep. which I had no idea um, it was that massive of a difference. But 
helium often shows their helium miners sitting on a windowsill with the antenna against the window as that being the best location and um yeah that's not necessarily the case <laughs> for newer homes yeah you are, for older you homes are, it's fine for newer homes it's not fine you are by far you know if you can get your antenna outside it makes a dramatic difference it absolutely um, does just massive uh, yeah. Mounted on so, a flagpole uh, or any pole that you can get up high, anything that's a good six feet above the top of your house is the best place to put it if you can. Right, and then there's all kinds of you know interesting info. Uh, this stuff I did know about, but uh, just the um, the different types of antennas that are out there. You know, typically you're going to be using a dipole antenna, which is omnidirectional, but it focuses its strength horizontally. Um, and the different gains give you a narrower and narrower uh, donut, if you will, of strength. Um, so if you're on flat ground, you can go with a very high gain dipole antenna and you're going to be in good sh shape. If you've got topography um, and or lots of tall buildings and things like that that are obstructions, you know, you are going to be served poorly by a very high gain antenna um and if you if you mount the high gain antenna too high in a flat area you may end up just uh uh skipping over lots of the nearby um locations around you yeah, because, because of the format of the beam the shape exactly. the shape of the right the shape of that yep so it's very cool um learning about this stuff and uh trying to figure out what is the best for your specific area. I still, to this day, think that, um, I, I heard that uh, Helium is using the Uber hex map tiles for their map system. Um, but it, if, you know, it's like somebody on purpose, some brilliant guy on purpose decided to build the map out of hex tiles because it makes it feel like a game. And it seriously uh, yeah. is fun having a few hotspots and optimizing things and just seeing what you're witnessing and missing and it, it is extremely fun uh yep. very cool completely agree with that yep. did you ever are you do you have any on the way yet or not yet i haven't purchased on any, order John, no uh, we the c3 media has There's purchased a one Cool. Yeah, we have uh, one, and I think uh, I think we're in batch twenty-three, which is the next batch coming out. Podcast. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Are you, John? Are you planning to just try and you know um, have it indoors, or are you in a spot where you can put it outside, or do you not know yet? Uh, uh, Your antenna. I would like to have it outside. I have a balcony on the second floor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could pretty easily put okay. it on a balcony without having any issue. Right, yeah. and then uh, have you looked at how many? Uh, what, what, about, what about what about what about putting it in the attic? Would would the attic work? No, it'd be better to be clear well, of all obstructions if at all possible. Actually, so actually, an attic isn't bad, um, but it depends on what your roof is made out of. If you have a composite roof, an attic can actually be really good um, because it's thinner than the walls. And um, but if you have a if you have a metal roof, the attic is not going to be good. No. Okay. So, um, how, what are, what is what does it look like as far as other 
established hotspots in your general vicinity? Are there already some that are in your exact hex or uh, near yeah, you or what? Yeah, actually, can you pull up the map, Jake? Sure. Sure thing. So you get another thing to think about is, you know, if if you get too many in a in a hex, you all get penalized. Um, you all get a penalty on earning. Now, this doesn't mean don't do it, but at a certain point, it kind of becomes pointless to add another hotspot to an already very crowded yeah, area. That's that's my area right there. The five. If you go up to the five right there, that's my area. You would be in the five. OK. So what's good, though, is you are within range of hexes that don't that only have one. Um, so if you can communicate with like that one that's off to the east. Uh, yeah, exactly. Those two. Right. You're going to um, you shouldn't be too penalized with them. Um, I can't wait to see what your results are. Uh, actually, you know what? I think. Then, uh, hold on. Hold you... on. I think I'm actually. I'm in the 10. Sorry. It, it, actually, no, down, 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 a little further down. Right. Yeah, area. that in there. Yeah, that's my area. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and there's three of them, three empties around here. So you'll you'll be able to serve this one and this one. You're you're in this one, aren't you? Yep. You're gonna so. be. Is it pretty? Is it pretty flat there, John, or what? No, it's, uh, no, it's, it's a, a hill. hill, it's, hill yeah. Here. This well, this whole so area is all. Does it go up? up it goes yeah straight up. Straight does up it the go, this, Does it go up? Is it going up to the east and down to the west? Yeah, this is yes. east and this yeah down to the west. Yeah. So like this okay, is the so, bay, right? So. so you're actually high. You're above everything yeah. to the yeah, west. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. One problem is one problem is that there's another small range of mountains right here. This okay. So he's got a small of, valley. But for the for the ten hexes directly around him, is he relatively a little above them? No, I'd say all right. So this this area is higher. This area is higher. This is more valley right here. Okay. Okay, so there's, so in the valley area, there's probably about ten hexes that are a little below him. This one, he's gonna be... it's hard to say. These ones are the ones he's looking for. This one, this one, this one, this one. These ones over here are actually better. And, and the problem I think is that his balcony faces north, so okay. it's going to be hard to serve these ones unless he puts be... it, unless he mounts it up above the roof. You might be surprised. If, first of all, if you just get the thing outside, um, you're going to be you're going to be way way ahead. Um, the antenna it, the Bobcat comes with is, is good compared to the stock antenna most of the other ones come with. It's a four DVI um, antenna. Um, having said that, you know you may want to upgrade. Um, you know, in the area I was at, I I. For me, a six DBI was kind of ideal, and um, and so and I ended up putting it on a roof uh, outside. And go get if, in regards. Yeah, I'm, in not regards gonna, I'm not to... gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dox myself uh, with the location, so don't even look for me. Somewhere <laughs> up here in, in Portland, no. Somewhere in there, yeah. Um, so uh, here, I do recommend though that you get a a LMR or excuse me. A 400 grade cable, John. If you do get an outdoor antenna and you okay. need a little bit of a longer cable to get there, the 400s have. Uh, they're also 600s, which I think are excessive. But get a 400. It's got negligible loss in the cable, 
Wow. Um, you should put it up at my, my house. I'm out here in, in uh, Rockland Roseville area, and there's That's like great all spot. these twos and ones and nuns. What's the topography like too for you? Uh, it's mostly flat. flat. Mostly flat. You would, uh, but you I'm would a, reach I'm a, a lot of those. I'm in a three-story. I'm in a three-story place, so. You would reach a lot of those, I bet. Yes, yeah. I would. I should just buy my own. Uh, leave the other one for John. So. Um, yeah, so you can play around. You can also get patch antennas if you really want to just go in a certain specific uh, direction. Where do you buy the upgrades? You, do you but... buy it from the website directly, or can I? So, uh, I ended up getting uh, my antenna from a place called Rockland dot com r-o-k-l-a-n-d dot com you want to get an antenna that's tuned specifically for 915 megahertz um not all of them are rockland without the c without the c without the c no c sorry my bad r-o-k-l-a-n-d dot com yeah so i ended up getting their low profile 6 dbi and then i got uh like a I got a couple different cables. One's a 16-footer, one's a 30-footer on the 400. Um, go to... No, it's not that. It's... Hold on. Okay, so it's not the alpha stuff. Um, I'm going to go to their website. It's hard for me to read it in the stream. I'll find it for you. Nice 2,000 milliwatt. That's a nice one. Outdoor that's only 30 oh. bucks, dude. See, that's a good price. Yeah. So I got the I got the 60bi low profile. Um, did you click on helium on the right? Helium on the right? On the, excuse me, on the left. On the left. Helium mining and low fi yeah, There you go. That's what you're on. Okay, right there. Um, the 60bi, right there. This pre-order. It was it was in stock. That's the one I got. So I have that antenna, and then for the cables. Uh, by the way, the cable on the, all the uh, Bobcats or most of the miners is RPSMA, um, and then the antennas are N. So if you click on cables and connectors on the left, yep, and then scroll down just a little bit and look at the first sixteen footer that's RFC four hundred. All right, it's, you're on that note just below. Right there. This one? Yeah, RFC 400. That's the yeah, one. Yeah, RFC yep. 400. That's it. Yeah. yeah, so that's the grade you want. You're, you're going to want 400 grade because it has a lot less loss. In fact, it'll tell you for that 16-foot cable, it's going to have a negative uh, 4 dBi, 4 dB loss, I believe. Excuse me, negative 6. Uh, negative 0. 0.6. Negative 0. Oh. 0.6. So it's about a hundred bucks to upgrade to the to the next level because the uh, antenna is about sixty five and the cable is about thirty six. Right. So it's about dollars. If you're in the right spot, this will pay for itself pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, if you get how much how much H and T are you picking up per day now, or do you know? It varies so much. I'd have to average it over time, and you know, uh, you know, to be honest, because I. <laughs> A lot of the people in my area have um, upgraded their antennas to these mm. good ones, and we're all getting penalized by that stupid dumb curve, which is about to expire tomorrow. Right. So, we'll find out for example, <laughs> yeah. So, for example, the other day, I missed four witnesses. They were all marked invalid um, because the signal was too good. 
Um, right. So right now, I probably would be better off on the stock antenna technically than the good antenna, but that's all about to change. Um, Yeah, so the antenna plus the cable is about 100 cool. bucks. So that's not cool. bad. It's a nice website. I think we'll it's be actually kind of interesting because the, the thing that's so fascinating to me about this in general is that back in 2004, I was doing, I was participating, participating partly, in part of the early, early, early off web on basically internet. And I had. Um, Early Ubiquity wasn't actually called Ubiquity, but it was basically equivalent to Ubiquity um, prosumer hardware. Where I was able to beam a 150 megabit connection between myself and a fellow who lived in Milpitas. Sunnyvale to Milpitas is about 12 miles away. Uh, we weren't just participating, you know, myself with this one other individual. I was participating with all the people in the Bay who were willing to transmit high bandwidth uh, off network signal. And at the time, the entire network consisted of about 30 people. So we had a internet. It was off the internet, although had connection to it through a firewall. Um, and with certain codes, you could actually VPN through the firewall and get into the regular internet. But um, basically our own internet. You know, people running their own data connections and at the time tra transmitting things that you probably wouldn't normally transmit to the internet. Um, but it was mostly just like a BBS um, and a very fast one of that. <laughs> I keep thinking of this as being like that. Although this is more IoT data, not necessarily just, you know, internet traffic. But that's what the 5G thing is, is, is kind of aiming at. Um, but, of course, some people will still backhaul it to uh, the regular internet that everyone else uses because of, you know, there's way more things available there, more things that people want. Um, but even still, that this makes me think of that because it's, but it's instead of just doing it for the sake of doing it the altruistic way that I was doing it before the, the off network network. Um, this is you know practical in a sense that there's tracking and there's, you know, uh, accountability and authorization and all the other functionality that people actually want. So they, not just so they can be paid, but, but so they can make it a fair system. So it's not just owned by like the, the network I was participating was just a bunch of people participating in this one group. And there were occasionally people who got mad and took down their nodes. Um, you know, they're like, I don't want to be in part of this group anymore. So bye. You know, it could have been a central Oakland or a central San Francisco node. And once that thing disappears, you lose all that functionality. But with this, people are incentivized to stay. Mm hmm and, and maybe eventually Helium, I don't know if they're already doing this, will incentivize you know longevity. The longer you've been there, the more you know, clout you have. So. Yeah, lose your yeah. Um, okay. No, no, here. Uh, by the way, that 6DBI antenna has a 35 degree vertical beam angle. So just keep that in mind when you're planning and you know if that seems ideal for you. Uh, I, that was one of the reasons I picked that one. It was a little taller than some of the other 6DBI antennas out there. Um, and uh, what's what's another good yeah. antenna you would suggest oh. or recommend? Well. A patch antenna. I don't know if Rockland has patch antennas, but a patch antenna is a flat antenna that's um, optimized to send out very high gain in a specific direction, basically like a 30-degree wide cone. And mm -hmm. so if you had, for example, nobody behind you that mattered um, or nobody very far away, but you had a lot of people that were 
quite a ways out in a specific direction, you'd be best served by a patch antenna. Hypo, um, hyperdirectional and, and narrow beam. So yeah, would it, would it be yeah. better that I, I angle it downhill? In your case, well, 30 degrees, no. keep in mind 30 degrees. You're, you're going to, um, I mean, you might tilt it like one or two degrees if that were to help you overall um, for your topography, but not really. You, you mostly want to mount these things perfectly vertical. Yeah, you and want to get in this your... stuff, John. This is the direction yeah. you want to face. But unfortunately, your balcony, as I recall, faces north. Right. So you're going to be trying to hit these, all this stuff where there's nothing. Granted, this there may not be a lot of people living in the in this space down here because this looks like it has houses. Yeah, that's but just the hills. main road. The main road. Um, I don't know if you're going to be able to see the freeway here. Should be see it through the green. right there. There it is. Here's the freeway. Yeah, there we go. Okay. We're pretty far away from the freeway. Um, you're gonna, yeah, you're, you've got so much around you, John. You're definitely gonna want an omnidirectional like that one I showed you. Okay. Uh, and because you don't have extreme topography, I think the six DBI is um, that's at least as high as I think you should go with your gain. Uh, usually, you're you're worse off going above something like six because that vertical beam angle just gets narrower and narrower and uh, kind of restricts you. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I, just, you know, start out with the 4DBI, see what happens. And if you're not happy and you want to try uh, something like the 6DBI, then then do it. Um, yeah. All right. I think you're going to have fun with it, though. I think you're definitely going to be looking at these. I, oh, I'm, and, uh, I'm just I'm just nervous because I'm just nervous because I'm not I'm not like the like, I'm not confident of setting it up, so hopefully the, the, the instructions are very simple that I can do that. You, you said I had to open up a port. I've they never are. done that before, so we'll see how that okay. works. Well, we can help you with that. Um, if, you have, if you can get into your internet router, we can definitely help you forward a port. And then otherwise, it's super simple. You install the app on your phone. Uh, you're going to connect to it. We, you're going to pair it uh, to it via Bluetooth. Um, and once your phone via the app is connected to via Bluetooth, you will configure the uh, Wi-Fi in the in the Bobcat to connect to your home Wi-Fi, and that's pretty much it. Um, it's very simple. Oh, and Bobcat has a very very cool tool that lets you do a fast sync of the blockchain. So the Bobcat itself stores the entire blockchain on it. Hmm. I think and, John might struggle a bit with the uh, connecting to his home router because, as you recall, I already oh. got him into the back end pages of Comcast router, but he's the, he doesn't own the house he's living in. And the guy who does own it, I don't know if he's going to give him access to the back end. Okay. So. It, it, if he has UPnP enabled on the router, it'll automatically figure that out, I believe. Um, so Universal plug and play? Yeah, we'll find out. Yeah. I'm not, I, don't, yeah. I don't think it does by default, but we'll have to see. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe... It, Maybe it won't be easy, but we'll do what we can. <laughs> um, having said that, uh, this is cool. So when you turn on any hotspot, uh, Helium hotspot, for the first time, it needs to go synchronize with the entire, it needs to go download the entire blockchain for Helium. Just like if you were launching any core wallet for mm -hmm. any coin, it's, you know, it's mainnet. Um, that, generally speaking, can take from two to five days for any given wow. helium miner. It's a slow process. Bobcat and some other manufacturers um, have a function called fast sync, 
which I highly recommend you use. It gets a blessed copy snapshot of the um, chain very quickly. Like in a matter of a few minutes, it'll download the whole thing. Wow. Um, and and it'll and they update the snapshot usually twice a day. I believe it's actually Helium that does it. Um, so it's quote an official snapshot and. Uh, then it only has to download download over the network the remaining blocks to get to current, which is usually just like, I don't know, 30 to a couple of hundred blocks. So you'll be synced. You should be synced within about 30 to 45 minutes if you use FastSync. Um, Fantastic. Yep. All right, let's go ahead and wrap this up. We're a little over an hour. It was great having you on, M. And you, you definitely gave us a lot Thank of info you. on this because honestly, this is—I don't think we had this much information in regards to helium ever. This is the first. This—it's great. This is great. I like it. Um, cool. Good information because, uh, especially since we're getting ours, I think uh, we're, we're in the next batch for sure. So yeah, excited for that to happen. Um, all right. With that yeah, said, that um, go ahead. I was just going to say, they had a funky change in their order numbering system where mm -hmm. it looked like that it looked like they had a million they were going to have to build and it was going to take us two years to get ours. Um, but they just had a, sh a major shift in their order numbers. So, yeah, I ended up getting mine within the window they initially said, which was 12 to 20 weeks. Yeah. And I'm sure you're about to get yours, too. I yeah. bet it's pretty much any day you'll see that happy shipping email. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, it's, it's coming week. All right. Look at this. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are just looking at this. I'm sorry to cap off the yeah. here. These, uh, these single uh, hexes mm -hmm. with single people in it. Look at this guy did here. We got 20 HNT in oh, the last 30 cool. days for being out there on the edge. Click on this guy. Not a whole lot, but I don't know what his performance is. So actually, go ahead and click. Go ahead and click HNT. on one of those, like. It, go ahead and click on mouse and expand it. You can see all the stats for all of these guys. Wow, look at, look at wow. where he's getting. Look, yeah, yeah. So he his seven day average beacons is five hundred and three. Check this out. Click on activity next to statistics. It's at the top there. Yeah, and now go to all activity, and you can see everything that hotspot is doing. Uh, take it just a second. Is loading there. Here we go. Okay, so receiving rewards. So he witnessed the beacon 33 minutes ago, and seven other. Or he was one of seven hotspots that witnessed it. And then just above it, you can see the reward he got. I can't quite read that. Is that point zero six one? Yeah, point point zero six or point zero six zero zero. Okay, yeah. Um, so that's the reward he got just for that witness 33 minutes ago. Oh, look right before it. Look underneath it. You see the one that says invalid? Expand the invalid one. Uh, no, it's just below. The, yeah, there. One right down, one down, one down. One. one. No, that one. one below that. Right there. Look, look at the error. Witness RSSI below lower bound. Okay, this is exactly what I was talking about in that chart I sent you earlier. So you see the RSSI is negative ninety-two dB and the SNR is ten. Mm -hmm. um, he basically has um, too good of a signal. And look at his antenna. He's published at the top. His antenna is uh, two meters off the ground, and it's 9 dBi. Does that say 9? Uh, right under Pet Lace Mouse DBI. at the very top in black. Look up higher. Up, Pet Lace up. Mouse this? in the black. No, higher up. 
very high, above the white section. Oh, way up here. Okay, sorry. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You see, so he's got a Nebra. It's got a 90 di antenna, two meters. By the way, that's how. That's why he's getting some signals so far away. It's that 90 dBi, yeah, ridiculously high, high gain. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so um, with that antenna, his signal is too good to that guy that's close. So the one that's got the invalid, it's only 960 meters away. And it's negative ninety-two. Right, that's right. And it's and that's not too close. That's completely valid. Anything over three hundred meters away is good. But he that should not have been invalid. That's a false positive, and he doesn't get any reward for that. Um, So can you can you quickly pull up that chart I sent you at the beginning, or do you want me to? Yeah, the link is still in the in chat. Yeah, that's it. That note go up to the green and pink one. Right. Okay. So quickly jump back to the other tab so we can get the numbers on that beacon. Okay. Uh, yeah. Expand the invalid one, please. Okay. So we got negative 92 dBi and 10 positive 10 dBi in SR. Okay. Let's go back to the chart, please. So with your mouse, put your mouse over negative 92 and plus 10. It'll be in the pink. Valid. Oh, plus 10 right here. No, no. Plus 10, plus 10 and negative plus, 92. Well, that was negative yeah, plus 10. 10. His was no, negative it's plus 10. 10. Go check. Oh, you're right. Plus 10. Nope. You're right. Plus 10 here. Plus 10 and, and negative 92. 92. So, yeah, and see, technically... it's just, it's barely. No, oh, negative, negative 92, 92 is under it. Yep. Yeah. So, it's yeah. just barely in there. But look at it, right? That's a false positive. And that, mm-hmm. that's what everybody hates this chart um, or hates this method. <laughs> so, that's going away, I believe, tomorrow. Uh, and so that that example of an invalid should not happen anymore, which is going to be a great thing. Nice, nice that you were starting after POC V11. <laughs> great. Well, it's only our, our level of unfortunate, right? But, I mean, had we gotten started at the very, very beginning True. with helium, and I, I knew about helium in the very beginning. I just thought, yeah. like, oh, that's, who cares until, yeah. bam, the news hits. Oh, people are making $1,000 a day. Like, oh, mm-hmm. well, I should have gotten into it then, shouldn't I? Oh, well. Oh, thanks, well, anyway, John, for, for it's, postponing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's cool, though, to come in here. Uh, so scroll back, go back to uh, yeah, Pet Lace Mouse, and just scroll down through activity again and just see if there's any real-world transfer data showing up for him. I'm curious if there's anything besides just people witnessing each other. So just scroll down slowly here. That doesn't count. Um, create a challenge. Uh, it'll say uh, data transfer or transfer data. There it is, transfer packets. That's real world use right there. Um, of course, we don't get to know what was being transferred because it's encrypted, which as it should be. But yep, that hotspot for transferring that packet got paid a little bit of helium. Hmm. That is fascinating, man. That's pretty cool. I'm starting to like this a lot more now. Yeah, it is cool. All right, sorry to delay uh, closing out your... Oh, that's okay. Recording, but... You gave us some good stuff. All right, let's. Uh, good stuff. Right. Let's, let's get that plug in. Make sure uh, for the listeners out there. Well, I guess this is all mostly visual, so you got to go to YouTube to see what we're talking about. Uh, and don't forget, buy my book. Yep. Like and subscribe oh, yeah. if you're on YouTube, and uh, check us out on go- Discord. And if you like our content, please uh, donate via Bitcoin, Ethereum, Binance, or Bat. Go ahead, Amazon. Hey, John, before sir, you started this recording, yeah, you uh, wanted me to say I want to buy your book, which I do. <laughs> <laughs> so please, please help me figure out how to do that. Absolutely, man. Of course I will. Thank you. All right, guys. Let's get out of here. All right.